Before we get going with this week's show, a word from a few of our friends. Let's begin with Delphi. Delphi Racing has had a tremendous year so far, led by our stakes-winning and graded stakes-placed New York Bread Philly, Funny How. And we are primed to have a big second half of 2023 with several other horses set to compete in stakes races this summer, including Community Adjusted, Gem Mint 10, and Zierati. Our partners are particularly excited to unveil our class of 11 two-year-olds over the coming months. Quite simply, there has never been a better time to be a partner. If you're looking for a collaborative horse ownership experience that offers a fiscally sustainable approach to horse ownership, then Adelphi Racing is the right fit for you. We're not just another syndicate, and our members aren't just investors. We are partners. Contact us today to get a taste of the Adelphi experience and come hang out with us for the remainder of the Saratoga meeting. All the ways to get in touch with the folks at Adelphi. First things first, the website, adelphiracing.com. Email matt at adelphiracing.com matt at adelphiracing.com and on social media instagram at adelphi underscore racing or on twitter at adelphi club and breeders cup we're thrilled to be partnered again with the breeders cup for 2023 this weekend features a win in your end for the juvenile turf sprint with the ah jesus i don't know the 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 sponsor let's go assume it's the pre-mornay from doville on sunday august the 20th additionally All entry fees for the winner will be covered in a $10,000 award to the nominator. Be sure to stay tuned to In the Money Media for all of your Breeders' Cup coverage. It's the Breeders' Cup win and you're in challenge series. We are getting closer and closer to the Breeders' Cup out at Santa Anita. Now, on to this week's show, episode 168. What's happening? Welcome into the Matt Bernier Show, part of the In The Money Media Network. My name is Matt Bernier. You can follow me on Twitter at Bernier underscore Matt. Today is Friday, August the 18th, 2023. It's episode 168 of the pod. However you listen, thank you for doing so. Many ways to find the show. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, InTheMoneyPodcast.com, just to name a few. You can also listen over on YouTube. Search bar Matt Bernier Show. You'll get this episode along with the 100 67 prior as always please rate review subscribe thumbs up thumbs down make sure the bell icon's lit up if you're over on youtube so you get notified when new content has been uploaded to the in the money media channel this show horse players happy hour the players pod you name it a million different things jk plus one anything and everything from in the money media this week's show is a little bit of me just riffing at the beginning but also i'm doing something different and this could really be a dud but as I'm recording this, or I'm going to do it in parts anyway, there's a big pick five carryover happening at Ellis. Now, my FanDuel TV shift tonight is from 6 to 9 Eastern. So this pick five sequence is not part of that. It will be concluded before I even go on. I think 5 o'clock Eastern, right around there, is the last leg of the sequence. So I am still f- finishing my ticket. Uh, there are 10 minutes to go until the fourth race. The fifth race is the kickoff leg of the pick five. I'm going to, again, I have no idea if this is going to suck or it's going to be fun. But I'm going to watch the race as they're leading into the gate, let you know what I have if I'm still alive. Watch the race and dissect a little bit. I'm not going to do a full-blown deep dive into watching the tape back, but just sort of a, a, a live, although for you all it would be a taped reaction. Again, it could be a completely useless exercise. Might even be an exercise. Might be fucking boring. I have no idea. But we're going to try it. We're going to do that. But the first part, or portions of this anyway, are going to be me kind of riffing on a few thoughts that I've had recently about a combination of the concept of a pick in a race. Because we're all obsessed with that. Not just from a professional standpoint, if you work in the industry or you're someone that gives out picks for things. But I think all of us, if you go to the track with your friends and your family and you go, oh, who do you like in this race? So I like the two. Or I like, you know, Palace Malice. Or I like Zenyatta. Or RIP to Jerry Moss, by the way. Terrible loss earlier this week. Uh, Legend of a man will sorely be missed. But the, I I like whomever. We're all obsessed with the pick. And I think it's just an antiquated an outdated way to go about this game. 
So we'll touch on that a little bit. And then also philosophically, and we'll actually start with this. There are some of you out there that don't watch tape, don't watch replays, your prerogative. Some folks just handicap off the paper. Fine, so be it. If you do watch replays, and I kind of have found myself doing this more and more, I think there's my suggestion anyway, because it's been an, an interesting change stylistically for me to go and watch the replays themselves and come to conclusions and draw conclusions. In the past, I have gone through, let's say it's I'm making it up. Well, for tonight, actually, okay? The third race at Del Mar. I like a horse in there, okay? Now, in the past, I would pull up the last race or two or however many races I feel like I need to try to get a real idea or feel for these horses. And I would look immediately and say, okay, well, this filly's breaking from this stall. And I would watch her the entire way around. And if I needed to, I'd go back, watch it again, or watch it head-on, anything like that. And I, I venture a guess to say most people do that. And that's, there's nothing inherently wrong with that. It's how I've basically done it my entire life. But I've recently started to change that idea and that thought, and that maybe I've kind of approached it incorrectly. I'm trying to now go and do the best I possibly can to avoid finding out names. I don't listen to the calls anymore because I don't want that tainted or anything like that. But avoiding finding out where your study, the horse you're interested in, I don't want to know anything about them in the replay I'm about to watch. I just want to watch a horse race. Okay? No no volume. I don't know who's who, breaking from where. In graded stakes, that's going to be more difficult or with horses that you're very familiar with. But on a day-to-day basis, if you're not locked into a certain circuit and you have to play all over or you choose to play all over or like me we're handicapped seven million different tracks and you know this that and the other i watch the replay and i just purely am looking to see if there's anything that stands out if i think everybody kind of got a fair shake and i don't think there were any trips to make note of or anything like that then it makes me i will go back and replay it but at that point that's when i'll look and see okay well who's the actual horse that i'm focused on Because if there's nothing in the first pass-through of the race that I find interesting or noteworthy, then to me, kind of the running line's the running line. The fig's the fig. What you see is what you get. But if I watch the replay the first time through and I can see there's two or three horses that maybe there's a a thing at the start where they all kind of sandwich together and they're pinballing off of each other, or there's a horse rounding the clubhouse turn that's fanned five wide, and then down the backside, they're wide, and they try to make an early move, and then they don't run on at the at the end. That's when I'll then go back and say, okay, well, who is this? And I know a lot of people that take replays and take notes on a day-to-day basis. When a, a circuit is running, let's say you're a, a making it up, you're a Gulfstream-only player. A lot of people, more so the, the proper kind of day-in and day-out player, but a lot of people will go through, and at the end of the day, they'll go back, watch the replays, take their notes, if there's trip notes, file it away in a stable stable mail, stable watch, whatever it may be, and that's that. And you get a feel for the racetrack, how things are playing, and tendencies and whatnot. But if you're playing many different circuits at a time, that becomes borderline impossible if you have any kind of life outside of this. So I want to go and watch now and see, okay, who was that horse that had a miserable trip? And then I'll go and see if it happens to be the horse that I'm looking at or are there multiple horses in this race that are coming out of that race of the three or four or whomever, however many there are, who had the worst of it, who had the best of it, things like that. Maybe I'm not telling you anything brilliant, but I would I would encourage you if you are someone that watches replays and you go about it sort of with intent initially going in saying, I want to go back and look at the trip that Forte pulled in the last race. And that again, it's a, it's tough with the graded stakes types because we kind of all know the silks and we know the players at hand. But if it's the opener at Canterbury on a Wednesday night and you're not familiar with really any of the horses, 
I would challenge you, rather than go and specifically find out how the one horse ran, do your best. Don't listen to the calls, and it's not because the announcers aren't great, but don't listen to anything. Don't look at the names on the bottom of the screen. Just watch the race. And if it's a relatively uneventful race, okay, then the running line is kind of the running line. Go back and then specifically watch the horse that you're interested in. But there's probably nothing interesting or, or major to glean from it. Conversely, if you just watch the race and let it all unfold and you see one or two horses that kind of catch your eye for whatever reason, middle move, head to steady, never really got settled, whatever, and then you go and do your chart work, you say, oh, this is actually the horse that I'm interested in. You go back and you watch and you specifically hone in on that one runner. I think you can get a better feel for the the truth. It, I, we all get a little bit, we have a subjective element of any of these kind of handicapping things. But especially so when it's maybe a horse on paper, your first pass through, you're like, oh, this could be a sneaky... 8, 10, 12, 15 to 1 shot. And you go in wanting to see something. And maybe you're not hook, line, and sinker just going to kind of tell yourself what you want to hear. But we all end up with a bit of a... It's a slanted view at that point. If you already want to see something that confirms your thought that maybe this is going to be a live price. If you just watch the race for what it is, strip all the factors out of it, the names, all that, and then you see something, I think that's when a replay or a trip can be very valuable. So, again, not everybody watches tape. I want to know. Beneath the video player on YouTube, do you watch replays? Do you not care about those sort of things? Handicapping is, is different for everyone. I'm not telling you there's a right, wrong, indifferent way of doing it. I'm saying as someone that watches replays, I've changed that a little bit, and I think I've gotten a better feel for the reality of trips than maybe what I had initially wanted to see. Hopefully that makes some sense. Now the quick piece on the selection idea, okay? I work for FanDuel TV, work for NBC, work for In The Money Media. In The Money of the three is probably the least selection-oriented, but... We still talk about picks and, and things like that. The other two, because it's television, the easiest and the most understandable way of going about things is selections. Which, again, it all depends wh what you're doing. Professionally, sometimes you don't have any other options. Picks need to go out, okay? But if you are a just a player in general... If you do it by yourself, if you do it with friends, family, or just a group, whatever. I would challenge you to do this kind of piggybacking on rethinking the way to watch a replay. If you're someone that you, you handicap a race next weekend's Travers. You go into it and you go, I handicap the race. I like... Uh, national treasure, okay? And maybe you don't want to do it for the Travers, but I think it's going to be a, a perfect opportunity to do some this idea, this thought. And this is how I'm trying to go about my own gambling. And I'm trying to verbalize it as well as I can on FanDuel TV. But I would challenge you to go into a race, let's use the Travers, going to be a big full field, going to be a competitive race. Your favorite might be, what, three to one, five to two, if it's Forte, something like that. You're not going to have an overwhelming favorite. I would challenge you to go into the race, and I've spoken of making a value line or a fair odds line in the past. I would challenge you to go into the race and not make a pick, but assign the likelihood of each horse winning. Assign a probability if you want to even take the shortcut, which is what I've started to do selfishly, just purely on timing, when I'm putting out one of those full-page graphics for FanDuel in terms of win odds, if it's a 12-horse field, in the past, I would go all the way through the entire field. A 1% chance here translates to 99 to 1, this, that, and the other. The sort of shortcut to that is 
only assign 80% probability to the contenders because the 20% you weren't going to have them anyway. They're going to be bombs. So effectively, just separate your contenders from your pretenders. And among the contenders, assign 80%. Okay? So let's do that for the Travers, just to assume. And let's, let's say the four horses you like are the triple crown winners, the five horses, the triple crown winners, okay? So Mage, National Treasure, Forte, excuse me, uh, Archangelo, and then the other two are Forte and Angel of Empire. So you've got five. Assign your probability to those five, how likely you think each one of them is. And rather than say my pick in the race is Forte, maybe you decide that Forte is the most likely winner of the Travers in your opinion, and he wins, I'm just using a number, 28% of the time. Of that 80% that the contenders win, he wins 28%. So nearly, you know, call it the better part of a third. Rather than say your pick is Forte, say I think Forte is the most likely winner. And then look at the tote. And if Forte, 28% translates to 5 to 2. And, you know, you get into the real weeds. If you want to break it down into the, the decimal points, I don't waste time with that. I don't have the time or energy to really worry about that. But if you look at the tote and he's 9 to 5, well, then does your pick of him really make, does it matter? A pick really is just an ego thing. If you give him a 5-2 to two chance to win and he's 9-5, to five, you should just kind of, in terms of winning, you know, betting to win. I'm not talking about picks. Multi-race picks, I should say. But if he's 9-5 to five and you think he should be 5-2, to two, it doesn't make a difference if he's your pick or not. It's a waste of, waste of, waste of air. If you make Ar Archangelo... Um, let's say seven to two, twenty-two percent chance, and he's five to one. Well, maybe he's not your pick, but he's he should be your bet because you're getting a, a substantial overlay. I would challenge you at home to rethink the way that you go about not really handicapping a race, but talking about the race. And if it's just by you by yourself, rather than say, man, I really like National Treasure, say, I have National Treasure as my most likely winner of the race. And then when the odds pop up, compare and contrast. Just look for the value. If you're not getting the price, he's not a bet. So does it make a difference if he's your pick? It's an old school thought. And it is purely an ego thing, the picks, truthfully. What, what difference does a pick make if you're not betting him? And when I say you're not betting him, it's because you're not getting the price. Maybe some of you already do that. But I think that's a, way, a necessary evil, a way that we need to kind of change the thought behind the, the sort of the pick versus the bet. Because they're not always going to be the same. And maybe this was a waste of time. But just something to think about. Let me know your thoughts about these first two items. This this word diarrhea that I've had. Beneath the video player on YouTube or on Twitter at Bernie or underscore Matt. Now, we're going to transition into the pick five at Ellis on Friday. So you're going to listen to this Saturday, Sunday, Monday, whenever. Yes, this pick five is coming gone. But there's about 25 minutes until the first leg of the sequence. I'm going to go through bit by bit as we get close to post time. I'll let you know who I have in what fashion. And I might get bounced in the first leg. I might get bounced in the last leg. I might hit the pick five. I don't know. And this could be a tremendous, tremendous waste of time. But if you're curious, stick around because we still got more to come first leg of the pick five and i thought it was 122,000. i think we advertised that i guess it's only 92,000 in the late pick five carryover they're headed to the gate for the first leg uh race number five two turns on turf a mile and a 16th i've got coverage really in all the legs i thought it was a really tough sequence so this first leg 
I have three A's and two B's, and I say B's. I actually only play mains and backups. So I've got three A's and two C's, I guess, if you wanted to use that regard or that idea, where I can basically be wrong only one time outside of my A's. I can get a C home, but then I need all A's the rest of the way. So I have, in this opening leg of the sequence, I have the two, who's the first time starter for Chad Brown. That's maturity date. I have the eight, fancy looker, who opened up taking a ton of money, second time starter for Mike Maker. And then I've got the also eligible that drew in. I was thinking about only going 213. The 13 is Bella Cruella, second timer for Brian Williamson's barn, who I thought ran well on debut. Um, I thought about only using those two, but then when the Maker horse opened up taking so much money, I felt like I just wanted to add just in case. My backups, the race is off. The eight's going right to the front. The 13's going to perch just off the flank. Uh, somebody's intent down on the inside, the four and the five, and now the eight and 13 are swung wide. The backups in here are the three and the seven. Am I reading that right? No, I can't be right. No, I'm sorry. The backups are the 5 and the 10. Panthera and Winsome Beauty. So 23 and 3, round the clubhouse turn. 4, 5, 8, they're kind of lined up. 6 and 10 tucked in behind. 13, sitting a mid-pack trip. And Chad's horse for Klarovich starting to kind of draft in behind that one. And Tasting Sunset did not have this one. This is a second-timer for Riley Mott's barn. The 5, Panthera is working at a beautiful trip. Really, you can't complain if you back Maker's horse either. Three wide, but I'd rather be in the clear at this point with horses like this. Just in behind are my other two horses, the 13 and the 2. So we'll see if anybody can really start ramping up the pressure here around the far turn. It looks like the 13 is cooked. Uh, Chad is sort of kind of going up and down. Maker's horse is moving very well right now. Uh, moving out to the lead. They're swinging wide. Boy, this camera is always going to be a trick for me. There's a horse coming from the back that if he just gets a seam and just opened up for him, if he kicks on through, he's going to be a freaking handful, unfortunately. Okay, and it's going to be him, isn't it? Maker's on the lead. Here comes the 10 trying to get involved. Sistina Chapel. I do not have this horse. And this horse is going to beat me out of everything, isn't he? Come on, Maker. Dig. Dig, Maker. Come on, Mike. Get your horse home. Yo. Fancy looker hangs on. Sistina Chapel, the firster for McPeak. That's a big effort for that filly on debut. McPeak's horses usually get better with, with age. She was moving so well around the far turn, and then a massive hole opened up. Brian Hernandez gives her a great ride, gets her down to the rail. I think Maker holds on. It looked like he did anyway. The 10 tried to get involved down the outside. That's Winsome Beauty. I would have taken that one, because for a minute it looked like I was going to be bounced out of everything. I'm fairly sure we're looking at 8. Yeah. 8, 11, 10. Wow, the Sistina Chapel, she got bet too. She got bet down at 5 to 1. I don't think there was anything crazy happening here early on. They're showing the gate break now. Everybody looked. I guess the outside, maybe the 12, didn't have the cleanest go of it early, but I don't think there was anything crazy there. Okay, so now in hindsight. Maybe this is, uh, you know, it's, part, it's the beauty of the opening leg of any of these sequences, really, because I, I was interested in Fancy Looker. I was going to use this horse as a backup. But when she opened up at like seven to five, I kind of I rejiggered the ticket a little bit and, and made her an A. So we survive. I mean, I'm alive with everybody else that's in this thing. But really, that's all these sequences are. Survive in advance. Waiting for him to just throw it up, but uh, looks like we get through the first leg here. Five to two, the favorite, but one leg down. Hopefully four more to go for me. There are four more in the sequence, I can guarantee you that much. Uh, seven eights on the main, big pedigrees. These are two-year-old girls, many of them first-time starters. Uh, I'm very deep in here, but it, it would be extremely favorable for me if I could get an A home because I only have one A in the next race. And looking ahead to that next race, the middle leg of the pick, I really felt like kind of anyone could win, but I, I didn't want to use all six of them in the same strength as an A. It would just make the ticket even bigger than it already was. So 
I have one A in that race, and then the other five are backups. So if I can get an A home here, that would ensure that I get through the next leg. I'd basically be guaranteed to get through it. So my A's here are the 3, the 5, the 6, and the 11. The 3 is simply striking a second-time starter for Riley Mott's barn. Showed speed in the debut and got tired. She was 13-1 to that day. She's currently 5-1. to She's getting bet. The 5 pursuit of Liberty of Furster for Cox, who was 8-1 to on the line. That was never going to happen. 2-1. to There's pedigree to suggest she'll be good early on. The 6, the same can be said for Floored. Vicki Oliver doesn't win first out often, but she's done well at Ellis this meet. And the pedigree is there for this one to be good early on. Uh, currently 6-1. to one. And then the 11 is a firster on the outside for Dallas Stewart, another horse that's got a little bit of win early pedigree, although collected kind of hit or miss what he actually is going to be as a stallion. He That horse is 23-1. to one. My backups are the 1, the 4, and the 9. The one is a firster, Charlotte's approval. She was actually the morning line favorite, a three to one. Firster for Mark Cassie's barn. The pedigree's there. Just that there's a gap in the tab between July 15th and the 28th and the rail. I'll use her defensively. A firster for Todd's barn, Corb, the four, who is your second choice at four to one. So my, the second and third choices, I have them as backups. I don't have them as A's. Couldn't use all of them. And then the nine, remembering, is a firster for Michael McCarthy's barn. At fifteen to one, so I mean, look, it's a it's a race loaded with with inexperienced horses. Anything can happen. You can get lucky or you can get boned. Um, I just it would be really beneficial for me if I could get an A home. I'm not even going to ask for a price. Just get me an A home, and that way we can get through that next leg, and we won't have to bank on the loan A that I used in there. And, and again, it was primarily because. This race, I felt like I wanted to have some coverage with some numbers. The next race, it, the the horse that I singled, or I, you know, my lone A, is the Cox horse coming off the layoff and has never run on turf before. So there's no guarantee the horse can even stand up on it. Um, but the run prior to the stakes try, I think it was the rush away. I'll look at it in a bit. Uh, they are off. Let's see. Somebody walked out of the gate. That was the eight. Big speed down on the inside from both the firsters from Cassie and from Pletcher. Uh, outside, oh, look at this. Dallas Stewart's horse has got run. Okay, so two of my A's are up there. The 11 just got, the 10 just got shuffled back out of there. So I have both of these horses that are out on the front. I have three of the first four, which almost certainly means that Todd's going to be the one to beat me, who I don't have. 22 and three, Brad Cox makes the front. I like how sharp the, the first or for Stewart broke. I don't know if this horse is going to be able to run down Brad Cox on the front end. The 23 to 1, that would certainly juice some things up in a tremendous way. Todd's horse is moving really well right now. Sit in the pocket trip. The three is starting to make a bit of a move. Is that the Mott horse? Yeah, the Mott horse is trying to get involved. Come on, Dallas Stewart on the outside at 23 to 1. We got a horse race at the top of the lane. Todd's coming, though. Todd's horse just tipped out now. He's got dead aim on both of them. Shit. Boy, this Dallas Stewart horse ran a big freaking debut, too, and Todd's going to beat me. God damn it. That was... I gambled, and um, I I think it was a fair gamble. Man, to have this horse run this well to finish second. God. there. This is such a spread-out group. That kills me on so many fronts. I feel like I was really sharp to throw that horse in there, and then... Look, I, I gambled that I could beat Pletcher first out. God! That is annoying, because that would have blown this thing up. That, I mean, she was the f fourth longest shot on the board. Pletcher first time starter, Corb. She's another one. She had a gap in the tab from July 24th to August 11th. You know. So the, the negative here is twofold. I mean, yes, I'm still alive, but many people are. Man, that kills me that that Dallas Stewart horse ran that freaking well. She broke so sharp. She was up there. They put away the Cox horse. The Cox horse finished third. 
But at 23, that's the kind of horse that sends this thing sideways. And instead, not only do I lose my backups the rest of the way, but at 4-1, to one, this is kind of an uninteresting sort of, you know, backup horse. Well, I mean, I guess what are you going to do? I'm not super optimistic that I'm going to connect this thing now and again it's just such a like gut punch that that filly ran so so well her name she controlled temper dallas stewart first time starter she broke like a shot there was pedigree on the bottom to think that they were going to run and um she did she ran her eyeballs out and she just got beat by by one at 23 to one oh god that would have blown it up okay well we'll come back for the third leg where we've only got one all right, horses headed to the turf course, seventh race. The only horse I have is Quadra, who is the first timer on grass for Cox. And I said it before the last race. I I think anybody can win. I don't know if it means anything when it's a Brad Cox horse. Opened up at seven to five, seven to five or eight to five. Is floated up to five to two the doubles would indicate might actually go off as the third choice in here behind i'd rather be blessed than king curlin i i don't have any real confidence here i guess if there's a silver lining it seems like the cox horse is the third choice in all the pools the pick three as well so you know we'll see what happens mile and a quarter um I thought I'd rather be blessed. I mean, the good thing with this runner was last time was the first time on turf, and you saw a pretty, I would say, an enormous improvement, but had a dream trip up the inside. Goes right to the front here. They're not going that fast because the three, uh, Roja Redemption's got a stranglehold right now. I think it's Talamo. The Cox horse is shuffled back to last, 25-2. and two. So there, this is dawdling uh, at best. And King Curlin's on the outside, I was torn between going five, six, seven in here, then the six scratched. But it, it kind of goes back to that maiden race where to get a little extra coverage, and to be fair, also I can look at this and and you know you know, feel sorry for myself about the way the whole thing played out in the last race. But if I didn't change the structure of the ticket and add the maker horse in the first leg, I'm not even here. So we'll see how this thing plays out. Fifty-one and one. Down the back. The Cox horse's last. Corrales is starting to kind of try to push a little bit to stay within shouting distance. This is also a three-year-old taking on older horses. So, I mean, for all I know, the horse might finish last. Uh, 15 and two for three quarters. I mean, they're crawling out there. Um, I'd rather be blessed is moving well. King Curlin's starting to feel a little bit of pressure. Uh, the three is moving well. That's the Paulo Lobo horse. Cox's horse is trying to get involved, but Jesus Christ, he had nothing to run at, at all. Horse would need to be lengths the best, and I'm just not anticipating that. The turn for home now, top of the lane. I think if Talmo can get this thing down on the inside, Lobo's horse is going to win. Uh, we'll find out. Looks like the one, the seven has got every chance with those sevens being a goofball. Cox is trying to run down the outside. He's trying to run down the outside. Come on, Brad. Come on, Brad, on the outside. You got him. Get up. All right. We got home. This horse, I mean, given the pace scenario, this horse is, I would say, conservatively two to three lengths the best. Came from last, looped the field, three-year-old against some older horses. Uh, goes off as your your clear third choice at three to one. So, look, is it, I'm still feeling like the last race was one that got away, but this was the, the only single piece left here. Okay, so I've got two in the next race, and if we can get through that, I got five in the nightcap in the payoff leg. The the double for a buck to this horse was twenty two, call it twenty three dollars. So not terrible. And the pick three was even nicer for a dollar that was like eighty six and change. So not all all right, you know, not not terrible, not terrible. Still two legs to go. There is a very real scenario. I've got I've got the two favorites, I think, in the next race. Um, I've got Pumpkin Skull and the Cox horse, and then I've got Evergrande, who was I know was eight on the line. I think that that horse for 
Asmussen will go off as the second choice, and um, they could easily duel each other into the ground. Or it could be a two-speed number where they just go one-two, and we hope for the best, and then, you know, we'll worry about the payoff leg when we get there. But alive through three, two to go. About a minute or so until the eighth at Ellis. Now, I've only got two horses in here, and I've I had the betting way off for this race, or at least my anticipation. I thought Cox would be favored and a prohibitive favorite, which the double suggests probably still will be, but is only two to one. So you would initially be thinking, oh, well, a little chilly. No, I don't know what you want to do with Awatia, who's a first-time starter, was 20 to one on the morning line for Riley Modsport. And I say, I don't know what you want to do. These races are already done by the time you're listening to this. But this horse opened up with 2,000 bet on her. Okay, Riley Mott's only 5%. He's a small sample size, but out of 20 starters. So somebody just dropped two grand way ahead of time. And I don't I don't know if that means that the horse is ready to go or or what, but she opened up at 3-2 to two from 20 to 1 morning line. She's up to 5-1 to one now. The only two that I have are Pumpkin Scone, the favorite, and then I thought Evergrande, who actually did take some money early on, was in that kind of five to one ish range now is nine to one now 10 to one those are the only two that i've got so i need three or six to get home my only other backup had i been alive with my backup ticket would have been the eight the first time starter gather for rusty arnold who's 27 to one um i think that one's at least kind of sneaky in terms of running well first out but it, it doesn't make a difference to me here because i don't have her on tickets so uh, for me it's it's 36 and I, I think they're probably the two speeds, which anybody that was unfamiliar with me before watching FanDuel TV, I mean, this is American racing. It's all about speed. But there is a real likelihood that those two go out there and cook each other early on. The gates break. Six broke like a shot. Three, about a half step slow, but very quickly kind of rights the ship, gets toward the front. They're lining up out there, actually which is not good for me because I thought my horses would be clear by now. Pump and Scone got pounded late down to four to five. But she's been in this position in the past, and she spit it. Sugar Boo showing big early speed early on. Who is Sugar Boo? Blinkers go on for the first time for the Ian Wilkes barn. That's interesting to see where she is. 22-2 and two for the opening quarter. Sugar Scone's starting to get away a little bit. Here's the, the Mott horses running down on the rail. That money was real early on. This freaking thing's going to win. She's traveling beautifully. She's just in the pocket right now inside Asperson's horse. The Cox horse is still on the lead. Here comes the Mott horse. The 12 is starting to run. Stagflation. That horse is a million to one. The Mott horse has got every chance. Cox has now put three on the field. This filly has stopped before. If she stops now, it's a complete and utter disaster. It doesn't look like she's going to. She's got, she's put seven on this field geared down stagflation runs second at 12 to 1 the Asperson horse holds on for third the Mott horse moved very well I think that's an encouraging debut for that Riley Mott horse Awatia came right up looked like she was moving sweet when the real running started she was empty but you know again doesn't seem like Riley's runners early on seems like he usually gives him one before you see their best so four to five shot gets home the pick, the double, let's see. I mean, the double with the two Cox horses for two comes back like 17 bucks, which isn't a disaster, really, when you think about it. The pick three into this for a dollar is like 44. So, all right. So we're alive going into the payoff leg. And one of the rare times in my gambling career, I usually, it changes, depends on sequences and whatnot, but I prefer to be in a position where get me alive. So like these pick threes that I really start to press up now, it's baby coverage, baby coverage, meaning, you know, three, maybe four horses. And then there's one horse I like in the payoff leg. Get me alive to that horse. I want to turn a 10 to one runner into a hundred to one kind of thing. I happen to be alive to five horses here. Okay. And I don't believe...
I don't know. I don't have the favorite or the third choice. So I will have the five left pocket money, who on the morning line is 30 to 1. I will have the eight magical thinking, who's 8 to 1. The 10 sapello sound, who's 6 to 1. The 11 prosecution, who is 9 to 2. And neap tide, the 12, who's 12 to 1. Those are all the morning line prices. I'll come back before that race goes off. We'll see what they look like. I can't imagine. Let's see what the double wheel or probables would have been three into these horses. So let me just double check, make sure I didn't jack up these tickets at all. Uh, three, six, five, five, three, six, five, eight, ten, eleven, twelve. Okay. So the double probables. Okay, so we're taking this horse, Pumpkin Scone, that just won the, the eighth, into my horses, just to try to get an idea. The 12, a 312 is $38 for a dollar. A 311 is 35. A 310 is 20. A 38 is 70. And a 35 is 32. Those are all for a dollar in the doubles. So I don't have the four. I don't have the seven. Those are the two clear favorites. And then I've got some others that are mixed in and amongst there. So, I mean, just based on that and with the way that these pick threes have paid, maybe just because these fields have been huge, this might not be bad. Might be alive for some decent number. I would hope the shortest one, maybe a thousand for the shortest. And then, I mean, the longest price would probably be something like my. No, I could be way off on this. I, I truly have no idea. I'm going to say the five horses would be between a thousand and five thousand. That's a guess. And that race has gone official, but the the will pays haven't come up yet. So. We shall see. That race has gone official. Okay. Waiting to see. I guess I'll just leave it right here for a minute. And I'll talk through any early money that shows up. Pools have not updated yet. I also need to finish getting ready for my shift for FanDuel tonight. Gerardo Corrales has got five winners on the day. Who's he on in the nightcap? Anybody? Gerardo Corrales. Gerardo Corrales. He is on the 11 prosecution. Who we have. Lovely. Uh, nine to two co-favorites midnight channel and left pocket money left pocket money who i have the five horse 30 to one on the line nine to two i i didn't think the horse ran terribly in the the first try and turf first time blinkers a little bit green but um it didn't have a great kick at the end but on thoroughgraph i mean that i say philly that that gilding is as likely a winner as anyone um so yeah, I mean, there's 12 horses in the field. We got five of them. I'm going to hope between 1,000 and 5,000 are the payoffs. And I'm sure some of you listening by now, you're either, you are either part of this thing or you don't care, which I don't blame you. You're listening to somebody else's gambling. Um, come on, Will Pace, pop up for me. So then I can go upstairs. I got to say, say goodbye to the, the babe before I end up, because uh, I will be on when she is having dinner and getting ready for her tub. Let me know if this has been fun to go back and listen to beneath the video player on YouTube or on Twitter at Bernie or underscore Matt. This could have been a waste of time for everyone, but I think this has been, I mean, it's been fun for me. We're live in a pick five that had a big carryover. Oh man, and can you even imagine if the Dallas Stewart horse had won at 23 to one? Jesus. Uh, still got no will pays. Here we go. Uh, let's start. I always, I'm weird like this, right? Let's go to the pick four and see what the pick fours are paying just to try to get an idea. Um, to my horses, the pick four to the five is for 50 cents. It's coming back 460 to the eight, 400 roughly, 393 to the 10, 220 to the 11, 186 into the 12, 300. I think my, I may be even wrong between my thousand and five thousand, but let's find out. Okay, the five, yeah, I mean, I, I'm wrong on my numbers. Uh, the five is 2,300. 
The 8 is 2,500. The 10 is 1,200. The 11 is 1,300. And the 12 is 1,600. So look, th this is not going to be anything really super one way or the other. Uh, obviously, I would rather hit it than not. But, you know, you put yourself in positions. You hope that you can make a score. And this, for me, would, you know, really be anywhere between a 4X and a, I guess, a 3X and a 5 or 6X. I put 4.15 into it. So we'll see what happens. I'll come back for the race. I'll get all the uh, outros out of the way here as they are walking out onto the turf course. However you listen, thank you for doing so. Many ways to find the show. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and themoneypodcast.com. You can all listen. You can all listen. You can also listen on YouTube. Search bar map burning your show. You'll get this episode along with the 167 prior. And as always, please rate, review, subscribe. Thumbs up, thumbs down. Questions, comments, concerns beneath the video player. You know the drill. So... We're not in positions for giant scores, but better than a stick in the eye. Um, I will, if I do end up hitting this, getting one of these five horses home, I will absolutely, throughout my upcoming FanDuel shift, be thinking of, well, what if Dallas Stewart had won? Because I think conservatively, these would have been probably... I would say at least... 5x more across the board and probably the bigger price is closer to 10x maybe that's a bit overzealous but at the same time the todd was the co-second choice and the stewart horse was the fifth or the fourth longest shot at north of 20 so i've spoken about that horse too much already there is my timer to make sure i came back down here to wrap this up uh the pick six just for haha as those of you playing Again, you guys have already listened to all this. You've already seen these races are done. I don't know why I'm filling you in on any of this. Somebody's alive for 120 grand to the six. Lola's bow. Good for them. All right, horses are crossing over the turf course. Uh, next week, Travers Week, should be fun. Should be a great race. I'm sure I'll touch on that. That's probably what next week's show will primarily address. Horse Players Happy Hour, continue on with that. If you have not been playing along or you've thought about it and you haven't pulled the trigger yet, no better time than now to get involved. And I'm running out of my little home stretch here. Um, I will be home for another for next week and then the following week. And then I head to Kentucky Downs. I won't be there for opening day, but I will be there for the interior five days, let's say. Uh, not opening day, not closing day. I'll get in, do those, and then I go to Canada, go to Woodbine for the Woodbine Mile for NBC, and then coming out of that, Pennsylvania Derby, I will be in, in Ben Salem, Pennsylvania, at Parks, and then I go to Arizona with my wife for a week, which would be fun, and then Keeneland, and Keeneland leads right into the Breeders' Cup, which leads right into Churchill Downs, and before you know it, we're into December. So that's the racing calendar. It goes that fast. Makes everything kind of come to a bit of a blur. All right, so I got five horses in here. The five, the eight, the 10, the 11, the 12, 2,300, 2,500, 1,200, 1,300, 1,600. I keep feeling like I'm now I'm at a point where it's just programmed into my head to throw it to the track announcer and Go on from there. Ten's acting up a little bit. We're all getting a little bit rambunctious in the gate. The last horse on the outside. Neat tide. All right. Let's see what uh, how this whole thing unfolds. They're off. And I guess I could even get ahead of this and say for the folks that are curious about a hedge or anything like that, to me, this is not nearly enough to warrant trying to cover any other bases. You just kind of let it ride. Whatever happens, happens here. Um, you, If we were dealing with the scenario where we had, or I had some of those prices that were going to be, you know, let's say the Stewart horse had won and I was alive for anywhere between 5 and 10x, even the 10 grand one, I'm probably not going to. 20, I'd think about it. 
But even then, that's easier said than done. Um, you've all seen how this race has unfolded already, but left pocket money made the front. They all had to go pretty fast early. The three Norbert down on the inside. The 10 Sapolo sounds in a good position. The favorite who I don't have, Absolute Courage, 8-5, to five, is now moving up in between runners. Uh, the 2 is making up some headway down on the inside. I think that's the 9 on the far outside. Where are my other horses? I got 11-12 farther back. Uh, the 3 is going to be a problem, I think, from here. The 9 is looping up on the outside. Don't have him. Don't have the 1. Uh, things are not looking great for me right now. <laughs> 9 is on his way home. He has made the front. I'm trying to see if any of my horses are involved. I have five horses and not one of them is firing. Twelve on the outside. Get outside over heels. No, it's going to be one, four, eight. None of my horses were even close. Midnight Channel. The one gets it done. How about that? Anamia. Okay. So there you have it. 10 to 1 shot wraps it up and only paid 1200 in the pick. So this is a horse that uh, obviously some people liked and one that I did not have. So a bit of a deflating way to wrap that up. But I maintain this is, with the way the game is now, you need to be in position to make scores. I had five of the 12 horses and I didn't get it home. And I got to be honest, I don't know if any of them even hit the board. But I was against the favorite in there. And this is not nearly as tough a pill to swallow as if I were alive for much, much more. So it was a fun ride. I think you absolutely have to get involved with any of these carryovers or any time that there's free money in the pool. And I'm hopeful the first two things I mentioned on this week's show, you think about and maybe they change the way or alter the way that you go about your handicapping a little bit. Or I'm not saying alter it in a bad way, but if maybe you're in a rut or you're looking to change some things up, I would consider trying those things at the beginning. I've already said part of my sign-off will wrap it up with best of luck, however you play, whatever you play, and wherever you play. It's been episode 168 of the Mapper Show.